the three-card Monty Decepticon uh, lying machine that is Donald J. Trump's personal Twitter account was working fast and furious Monday morning before James Comey went to testify in the Senate. Quote, the real story that Congress, the FBI, and all others should be looking into is the leaking of classified information must find leaker now, exclamation point. That was Donald Trump, the president of the United States, trolling, tweeting from his personal account on Monday morning, just before FBI director James Comey dropped not one but two bombshells into the public record in his sworn testimony before the House Intelligence Committee, namely that A, the FBI hasn't been investigating connections between the Trump campaign and the Russian government since 2016. This investigation has been open regarding potential collusion between the Russian government and the Trump campaign to tilt the campaign, the 2016 presidential campaign, in Donald Trump's favor. Two, Comey said that there was no evidence that Trump claims that Barack Obama wiretapped him and Trump Tower tapped his wires, either in quotes or not in quotes, Sean Spicer, as the current president has alleged in a series of now infamous tweets and continues to stand behind. Now, it's one thing to um, talk about Donald Trump the liar, to see the New York Times openly embrace the term lie, to argue and talk about your with this with you, me, and just about everyone we know at cafes and bars and on the subway and on the train about Donald Trump potentially colluding with Russians to hurt Hillary Clinton and to win the White House. It's a, it's, and to see that play out on Rachel Maddow every night, it's quite another thing. It's quite an escalation of this story to see this play out in front of sworn testimony before the House Intelligence Committee. Now, as a, as a parenthetical, let's just note here that the intelligence community has a long history of lying to us. Also true, Donald Trump has a <laughs> shorter but still long history of lying to us. But Donald Trump sent his minions out into the intelligence committee hearing, I'm sorry, into the House Intelligence Committee hearing to uh, pursue and distract and um, elevate the narrative that this should be a story about leakers, about people inside the administration or the intelligence committee and the reporters that leaked the story. So speaking of leakers, I have a treat for you today. John Kiriakou, the former CIA counterterrorism officer who leaked the story of the CIA illegal and immoral waterboarding program. Yes, that leaker and served almost two years in federal prison for the leak joins me today to talk about just who is playing who here in this intelligence community versus Donald Trump war. I'm Dennis Trainer Jr. And you're listening to a Trump show. A lot of killers. We get a lot of killers. Why well, you think our country's okay. so innocent? 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 They're saying it's a falsehood, and they're giving Sean Spicer, our press secretary, gave alternative facts to that. But the point remains alternative that there's facts. People think I don't like China. I love China. China. China is the new China, by the way. This American carnage stops right here and stops right now. Okay, so this is FBI Director James Comey's opening statement on Monday morning in sworn testimony before the House Intelligence Committee. As you know, our practice is not to confirm 
the existence of ongoing investigations, especially those investigations that involve classified matters. But in unusual circumstances, where it is in the public interest, it may be appropriate to do so, as Justice Department policies recognize. This is one of those circumstances. I have been authorized by the Department of Justice to confirm that the FBI, as part of our counterintelligence mission, is investigating the Russian government's efforts to interfere in the 2016 presidential election. And that includes investigating the nature of any links between individuals associated with the Trump campaign and the Russian government, and whether there was any coordination between the campaign and Russia's efforts. As with any counterintelligence investigation, this will also include an assessment of whether any crimes were committed. Because it is an open, ongoing investigation and is classified, I cannot say more about what we are doing and whose conduct we are examining. And joining me now to discuss this significant and new chapter in Trump presidency and just what is going on in this fast-moving story is John Kiriakou. John is a former CIA counterterrorism officer and a former senior investigator with the Senate Foreign Relations Committee who became a political prisoner after he exposed the CIA's illegal and immoral waterboarding torture program, becoming the sixth whistleblower indicted by the Obama administration under the Espionage Act. He served 23 months in prison as a result of his attempts to oppose the Bush administration's torture program. John, it's an honor. Thank you very much for joining me on the program today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to do it. Yeah. So um, for listeners who are unfamiliar with your story, or it's been a while, who maybe just need a refresher, uh, walk us through a little bit um, your role as a whistleblower and the outcome of that. Sure. It's a very long story and I'm going to make it very short. Mm -hmm. uh, I spent uh, almost 15 years in the CIA, the first half of that career as an analyst, the second half as a counterterrorism operations officer. I was the chief of CIA counterterrorism operations in Pakistan after 9-11. And in that capacity, I led a series of raids in um, March of 2002 that resulted in the capture of Abu Zubaydah, who we believed at the time was the number three in Al-Qaeda. Uh, Abu Zubaydah was famously tortured. He was the first CIA prisoner um, post 9-11 to be tortured. And um, in 2007, I went to the press in the form of ABC News and I said that the CIA was torturing its prisoners. I said that torture was official U.S. government policy. And I said that the policy had been personally approved by the president himself. Uh, that ended up with, um, or that ended up getting me uh, five felony charges, including three counts of espionage. Uh, four of those charges were dropped. I hadn't committed espionage. Mm -hmm. And um, I took a plea to a lesser uh, charge. And I did it, frankly, for economic reasons, to just make this thing go away. I have five kids at home. And and I was looking at 45 years in prison. I ended up doing 23 months in prison and uh, got home two years ago. So, you know, like most people, um, listeners of this program have been watching the kind of ongoing drama between Trump and Russia and the connections between Trump and Russia and questioning whether those connections are business connections or whether there's a kind of conspiracy between uh, the Kremlin and Donald Trump's campaign to affect the 2016 election campaign. Uh, but you're watching it with a little bit more insider baseball view here. Uh, when you see um, Comey come out yesterday and drop the two bombshells that he dropped first 
first uh, that there has been an investigation looking into links between the Trump uh, campaign and Russia that dates back to July. Second, that um, Comey uh, denies that there is any evidence or that he has seen any evidence for to support Trump's tweets. With respect to the president's tweets about alleged wiretapping directed at him by the prior administration, I have no information that supports those tweets, and we have looked carefully inside the FBI. The Department of Justice has asked me to share with you that the answer is the same for the Department of Justice and all its components. The department has no information that supports those tweets. Uh, how are you as a former intelligence analyst watching this uh, drama unfold? You know, I'm not sure yet, Dennis, that the American people fully appreciate how important this is and what a big deal this is. A former CIA colleague of mine said yesterday that he had not seen anything like this since Iran-Contra or maybe even uh, since the beginning of, of the Watergate scandal. Uh, this is a very big deal. I have been wrong on this issue for the past six months or so, where I've I've gone on a myriad of news outlets and said that I'm just not seeing any evidence of Russian hacking. And if there if there had been Russian hacking, what exactly is it that we're accusing the Russians of doing? Well, Director Comey made that far more clear yesterday that this was actually a concerted covert action um, effort by the Russian government to influence the outcome of the election. Now, whether or not it was the Russians that uh, that got Donald Trump elected, I, I still have doubts over. But it was indeed interference in the U.S. election. That's interesting, and it causes me to shake my head. The really important thing, though, is that the FBI is investigating the idea of collusion between senior Trump campaign officials and advisors and the Russian government. I, I would strongly suggest to Paul Manafort and to General Mike Flynn that they hire the best criminal defense attorneys money can buy because this thing's not going away. Director Comey couched his language yesterday and was very careful in the things that he said and indeed declined to comment on a number of things. But the message, the underlying message was clear. Uh, the FBI thinks a crime has been committed, perhaps multiple crimes. And um, I think somebody's going to go down for this. And that's not going to be Trump. You know, I mean, let me let me frame that. Let me frame that another way. One narrative that's been unfolding is the idea that uh, the intelligence community uh, doesn't really like Donald Trump, particularly the CIA side doesn't right. really like Donald Trump. And again, I'm looking at this from the outside. And what the hell do I know? Except that I don't I know what I don't know. Um, so there was, in that they're building a case for impeachment against Donald Trump. And there's a lot of smoke connecting the campaign to Russia. Uh, right. But that the, if there was going to be a fire, as Glenn Greenwald wrote the other day on The Intercept, that fire would have been leaked already. Um, yeah, so, it would have been. OK, so if 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 we're going on the supposition that there is no fire and by fire, I define that as the collusion aspect of the, the twofold answer you just gave, the collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russian government in a quid pro quo to help Trump win the election. Um, and the other thing I'd like to ask you about is that isn't this isn't the interference part, the first part of your answer, something that even the declassified intelligence community assessment has said has been going on for decades? 
Oh, sure. This is something that the governments do to one another. It's kind of the dirty little secret of intelligence. Um, and I'm not just saying between the Americans, the Russians, the Chinese, the Iranians. I'm saying everybody does this kind of thing. Everybody wants a leg up. You know, the CIA declassified a program many years ago. It was the it was the CIA's first covert action program, and it was in 1947 in Italy, where the CIA helped to throw the election to the conservatives. And the communists, who had been leading in the polls and who were widely expected to win, um, lost. And not just lost, but lost enough that they ended up playing no role in government. Well, a lot of that was because the CIA had secretly intervened in that election. So it's not like this is something new or something that's shocking. It's something that, that happens. Um, the difference this time is that it's been largely public and we've got Americans, indeed campaign insiders, who appear to be implicated in it. You know, I, I think that Sean Spicer's press conference yesterday was very telling in that he made this absolutely ridiculous claim that Paul Manafort um, did not have a major role in the campaign. Uh, there is a fine line between people who want to be part of something that they never had an official role in and people who actually played a role in either the campaign or the transition. Julie. Um, I just have two quick questions on the hearing today. Does the president, now that we know that there is an ongoing investigation by the FBI, does the president stand by his comments that he's not aware of any contacts that his campaign associates had with Russia during the election? Uh, yes. Okay. And then the second one is, has anyone from the White House... Well, can I just amend the first? Sure. Obviously, I just, with, just to be clear, I know that I'm trying to think through this for a second because obviously um, General Flynn... Right. But again, I... I gen, campaign, right. And, before and, the election. And, and, and I'm not aware of any at this time, but even General Flynn was, was a volunteer of the campaign. Um, and then obviously there's been this discussion of, of Paul Manafort who played a very limited role for a very limited amount of time. But beyond – hey, John, Jonathan, hold on. Can you, can you stop interrupting other people's questions? Hey, Jonathan, somebody's asking a question. It's not your press briefing. Julie's asking a question. Please calm down. Julie. My God, Paul Manafort was the chairman of the campaign. So when Spicer gave this this ridiculous answer and the the press room erupted in laughter, he had to try to catch himself and say, "Well, yeah, he was the he was the campaign chairman, but only for a very short period of time." That tells me that they're circling the wagons. Those wagons are being circled around Trump and the likes of Manafort and Flynn and perhaps Roger Stone are going to be on their own. We'll have more of my complete interview with John Kiriakou after this brief message from me. Hey there, folks. This is Dennis Trainer Jr. And with this podcast, trying to build something truly huge here from the ground up. Huge, big, like China. Uh, but because I won't make promises that I can't keep, I can tell you this. Mexico is not going to pay for this podcast. But for as little as five bucks a month at a trumpshow.com slash donate, you can support this effort and make sure it lasts as long as Tupe Fiasco lasts in the White House. I mean, yes, you're getting it for free now. And you're certainly going to continue to get it for free because that's how the internet works. But karma is a boomerang. So consider making a donation at a trumpshow.com slash donate today. If you like the commentary, the analysis, the interviews that we provide here uh, with a trumpshow.com slash donate, Type that into your browser right now and make a donation that feels good to you because, you know, giving 
It makes you happy, right? There's science behind that, and you believe in science. Okay, back to the show. The context that you create there, talking about covert actions by the CIA, is is missing from our narrative. And I, I would add to it uh, only because I think uh, many people can rightfully trace the c- current crisis in the Middle East back to the 1953 coup d'etat in Iran, which Iran. the CIA, uh, with the uh, you know working with British intelligence, uh, has now admitted. I think a couple of years ago yes. they, they took part in that. Um, so I mean, so that so, so behind that missing context from both Fox News and MSNBC and the CNNs is, I think, what's under what's buff, buttressing this l- lack of context, which is part of the storytelling, is this idea of American exceptionalism that, well, we may do this same crazy shit, too, but it's OK because we're a force for good in the world. <laughs> Russia clearly is not a force for good in the world. Therefore, they can't do what we do. I, I think that's exactly right. Sen- there was a senator uh, yesterday, Tillerson of, of North Carolina, who actually raised the idea, uh, believe it or not, and this guy's a Republican, but he raised the idea that the U.S. has intervened in something like six dozen elections between 1947 and the, and the present. So again, this is – it's not new. It's not right, uh, but it's, it's not new and it's certainly not unique to the Russians. So going back to your advice to uh, Flynn and Manafort to get uh, high priced lawyers, are you suggesting that they're candidates for for whistleblowing um, uh, as, as your case? And what did you learn in your process of going through that? I assume that when you went on ABC, that was with some forethought that, that just didn't slip yeah. out of your mouth that you planned right. that. Um, so what's the what's what's your thinking then with regard to uh, a potential whistleblower from within the Trump campaign? Well, on the contrary, I, I don't think that Manafort or Flynn are whistleblowers, certainly. Um, I mm. think that, you know, Trey Gowdy, this this uh, Republican congressman from South Carolina, Scary I think man. Made, yeah. made a fool of himself yesterday in this hearing um, where he repeatedly tried to bait Comey into saying that the real crime that's been committed is that somebody leaked classified information to the press about Manafort and Flynn. Is, is, is there something a reporter would have access to that the head of the FBI would not? It's hard for me to answer. I would hope not when it relates to the I FBI. would hope not, too, since it's part of our surveillance programs. I would hope that you had access to everything as the head of the world's premier law enforcement agency. I would hope that you had it all. So if you had it all, the motive couldn't have been to help you because you already had it. And Admiral Rogers, the motive couldn't have been to help you because you already had it. So in the universe of possible motives for the felonious dissemination of classified material, we could rule out wanting to help the intelligence communities and the law enforcement communities. Those are two motives that are gone now. That leaves some more nefarious motives. Is the investigation into the leak of classified information has it begun yet? Well, my God, that's the legal definition of whistleblowing. Whistleblowing is bringing to light any evidence of waste, fraud, abuse, illegality, or threats to the public health or public safety. Somebody inside the Trump campaign did that. That person is the whistleblower. That's the person who should be who should be protected uh, by the system and respected by the public. Let me pause you there. Is there so? Do you how do you know that the leak came from within inside the Trump administra- administration and not? from uh, the intelligence community? We, we don't. It could very well have come from the FBI. Mm-hmm. 
uh, I think it's less likely that it would have come from the CIA because that that's really not CIA information. I would say either FBI or NSA because presumably NSA had been intercepting those calls in the first place. Now, if they intercepted the call, they listened to a prominent American in the person of Manafort or Flynn uh, carrying out this uh, this uh, whatever it was, this uh, conversation. Uh, it would have been NSA who would have informed FBI. So, sure, it could have come from the law enforcement or the intelligence community. Uh, as easily as it could have come from the Trump campaign. I hate to be put in the position of defending Donald Trump, but uh, uh, but, but will uh, don't we need to see the transcript of those phone calls to determine? I mean, because if Flynn is talking to a Russian ambassador, uh, it may be slightly illegal or improper during the transition period. But you could also make the case he's just getting out ahead. He's getting out in front of his job until we see the transcript of that phone call. Um, why should I believe the intelligence community? They've lied to us over and over and over again. And, you know, Trump has too. Uh, everyone's lying. John, what's the truth? Well, that, that's a very important point. Um, yeah, I'd like to see the transcript of that phone call. Uh, Comey won't let us. Uh, Comey and, and NSA will argue successfully that it's a very highly classified document. It's uh, It could reveal sources and methods, and we're not going to see it. But the FBI has seen it. And when push comes to shove, it's the FBI that – FBI is the organization that needs to see it in order to, to possibly build a case. But you're exactly right. A crime may have been committed. Look, we have a we have a law in this country that everybody likes to ignore. It's called the Logan Act. It was passed in 1799, and it criminalizes any effort by a private American to conduct the foreign policy of the United States. Nobody has ever been prosecuted under the Logan Act. But with that said, it's still on the books, and it's a felony. Now, I think Flynn would argue that he was getting a jump on the the uh, new presidency and on the inauguration, he was trying to get his ducks in order because he was going to assume the position of national security advisor. But still, it is illegal for a private citizen, which he was, to conduct foreign policy. And I'd like to know from that transcript, was he conducting foreign policy? And we don't know. Um, I'd like to go to ask you about, you know, this idea that you've posited in a recent column about this not being a zero sum game. Uh, and, you know, or another way to phrase it is if Trump is your enemy, then an enemy of your enemy might not also be your friend. In this case, the intelligence community um, with regard to, you know, the two that we've mentioned or the several dozen <laughs> that were put into the record yesterday of covert actions that have put uh, have been that have been engaged on by the intelligence community to uh, affect the elections of other countries. Do you believe in the concept of American exceptionalism or to put it another way, was the was your 15 or 16 years in the CIA pursuing that? Um, uh, uh, in pursuit of a greater good. Right. Well, listen, I. I, I've always been a, a, a progressive Democrat. I'm a third generation Democrat, but um, but I was also a true believer while I was at the CIA. I really believed we were the good guys and we knew better than everybody else did. And I have, of course, since come to realize that that's a that's a ridiculous uh, belief. Uh, and I honestly feel embarrassed for it. So, no, I do not believe in American exceptionalism. Not at all. I think that I think that this country has so much to learn from others and it's unwilling to learn. I'm going to use just one small example. 
and this is really what got me what got me turned around on this issue. When when we invaded Iraq, an illegal invasion, um, a violation of international law, and we overthrew Saddam Hussein, uh, we installed uh, a, an occupation governor, uh, Ambassador uh, Bremer. And one of the very, very first things that he did as occupational governor of Iraq was to prohibit any former members of the Iraqi Ba'ath Party from participating in uh, the military, the police, or the intelligence services. What that ended up doing was effectively banning Sunnis from anything having to do with national security. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, with with the stroke of a pen, he he turned Iraq into a, a Shia country. I can understand some of the logic behind it, but I would have hoped, and certainly many of us at the CIA objected at the time, I would have hoped that he would have seen the the longer term prospects, that you can't just simply alienate an entire sect of a country. And what ended up happening, (laughs) to make matters worse, he allowed all the Sunnis to keep their weapons. And it was those Sunnis who eventually allied themselves with the Sunni militias, with Al-Qaeda in Iraq, and eventually with ISIS. And now here we are, what, 15 years later, 14 years later, and we still haven't been able to figure out this powder keg, but it's a powder keg of our own making. It was just really bad analysis. It was, it was a leader who did not understand history. He did not understand Arab culture. He did not understand the Iraqi people. And we've ruined that country. And that was one of the things that got me started on that path that American exceptionalism is actually a dangerous force. It, yeah, that Iraq thing, you know, in in trying to describe that in the past, I, I've resor- resorted to um, a phrase that I like. It's a little hyperbolic, but, you know, that encapsulates American exceptionalism in our foreign policy. And it's it's the accusation of mine that uh, U.S. foreign policy is a blowback inducing homicidal bull in a cultural, religious and geopolitical China shop. It's buoyed by this idea of American exceptionalism uh, that that led to manifest destiny and that we're now dealing with uh, an impetulant manifest destiny's child. Um, So roundabout way of of saying of, of leading to another metaphor that you that you talked about in the creation of this Frankenstein monster in the, in, in the intelligence community. And we probably have a, a dueling Frankensteins with Donald Trump versus the intelligence community. And you, you mentioned Iran Contra earlier and Watergate. Um, judging by that metric, this is a 50, 50 toss up in terms of Trump surviving. Do you, where, where are you betting? I, I, I feel like Trump can't help himself. He's just not, He's not skilled in the ways of Washington, and he is a bull in the proverbial China shop, but at least a bull has an end goal of getting out of the China shop. I don't even think that Trump has the instincts to get out. I think he's going to go down with the ship, and it's like he can't help hurting himself. He surrounds himself with the wrong people. He ignores advice from members of his own party. And then he doubles down every time somebody calls him out on on his lies and his nonsense. And I think that I think that people just are going to get to the point where they've had enough, and um, and somebody's going to make a move against him. 
Yeah, the re- approval rating dips down low enough, then he'll start to see some opposition from within the Republican Party scared probably about the midterm elections. So that's probably a scenario that could that could play out. Oh, I think that's right. I think that's right. And that's, you know, people keep saying, oh, how are we going to make it the next four years? I don't think we're going to have to worry about the next four years because I could see the House swinging Democratic in two years. The, the Democrats need 27 seats. And with a with a president as unpopular and as prone to shooting himself in the foot as Donald Trump has proven to be, I think that 27 seats is doable. Do you see a final final question here? Do you see grounds for impeachment even if there's no direct link between Trump and the Russian government in terms of affecting the election, but in terms of, uh, you know, what are the people calling the violation of the emoluments clause of the Constitution? Not the political will to enforce that impeachment proceeding, but the justification for it? I think so. I, I think political will is an entirely different issue, mm-hmm. as you say. Uh, but, you know, there's even a, a Republican federal judge in Ohio a couple of weeks ago wrote an op-ed in the USA Today of all outlets uh, saying that Trump has already committed a dozen impeachable offense, uh, offenses. rather. So, uh, yeah, not, not thinking about the political will, especially in a Republican-controlled Congress, Um, I think in terms of the law, yes, I think it's a possibility. Uh, John, thank you very much for taking the time out and uh, sharing your wisdom with us today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. And that's our show for today. Folks, we still are a very new podcast and we're only going to grow with your help. If you enjoy the program, please share it on social media, share it with all your friends and at least some of your enemies. This show needs your support to grow. So go to iTunes, go to Google Play or go wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a five-star rating. And if you've got a minute and you're so inclined, leave a one or two sentence review. That seems like a vain request, but it is really something that's important that helps us jump up in the algorithms of those respective places and gain a wider audience. So thank you for doing that in advance. Until next time, I'm Dennis Trainer Jr. and this is a Trump show.